0: Welcome to Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast, the only professional wrestling podcast in the world where pro wrestling is discussed passionately, with confidence, with great knowledge, and most of all, in the most sophisticated way. So brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because chaos is about to be unleashed ladies and gentlemen welcome to another edition of ringside chaos the professional wrestling discussion segment of the bear of texas podcast and paint train pipe bomb productions as usual i am the bear of texas and let's welcome back the master of mayhem himself ricky
1: winkowitz
0: what's doing brother
1: a very very long evening to digest
0: well, we just got done watching Extreme Rules, and I think you know exactly what my main thing is to talk about. But since you really feel like giving a review, let's go ahead and do that. And might as well, since I previewed the show with our good friend, Mr. Braverman.
1: I will say this. This pay-per-view was built up very well. I, I really think at a lot of points. there. I, there were some low points. There were a lot of botches throughout the night. And I don't want to hear anybody say, oh, well, it's extreme rules. Give me a break, okay? (laughs) Give me an absolute break. Uh, (laughs) Well, have you seen that on social media already? Yes. Already. (laughs) Absolutely already.
0: Well, you know, uh, Ronda Rousey, you know, winning the championship. I, you know, Broverman predicted that. And as much as I wanted Liv to win, I think we kind of saw that. We kind of saw the title change coming. That finish was horrible. That finish was
1: horrible. Because, first off, I'm looking at Liv's face. And she's got a huge smile as she's supposedly being choked out by Ronda Rousey. And her, like, like she's just legitimately like laying there with a big smile on her face, almost kind of saying that uh, taking the title off of her is going to turn her a little bit more evil. And obviously, the fans were not happy with Ronda Rousey winning. Uh, it's really, it's really mind boggling that she went in as kind of the heelish type, and then they still boo her out of the building.
0: Huh. It's unfortunate, really. But, so as far as uh, I can see, the Brawling Brutes defeated the Imperium, and of course on SmackDown, Sheamus challenged for the Intercontinental title against uh, Gunter, which I hope, again, I hope I'm saying it correctly, but, you know, Mark and I spoke about that, and I said, you know what, the way I see it is that match ends up in a no contest, but that certainly wasn't the case, but... The the results of... I don't know there what was, to say about the six-man tag. To be honest,
1: the results of the Friday night led into the Extreme Rules match mm-hmm. because it was a Donnie Brook match, which means you're going to have like the full bar set up. There's a lot of weapons, shilleleys included, and Gunter winning with the shilleley, knowing the fact that the shilleleys are going to be in action at Extreme Rules. I will say that was a very, like, really forward, head-smashing type match. My problem with the match is I think that the match was a little too much drawn out. Mm -hmm. Especially for it to be one of the opening contests. That it took legit, like, almost a half hour in the pay-per-view itself. Which really didn't make a lot of sense. It's a brawl. People fight. People get knocked out. Match ends. Now, and you, and you mentioned the theme. You said it was set like in a pub. They had a a bar set up with Gra- uh Seamus's grandfather's picture on it. They had all of the wooden whiskey bottle uh, whiskey uh, barrels around the ring. Tons of shilleeys. I mean. Again, it's not like we haven't seen a barroom brawl match on like a SmackDown or a pay-per-view where they had it with Sheamus and Jeff Hardy. Uh, The same incident was a few weeks ago with the same setup. But again, it's a brawl. People fighting all over the place. Butch left alone by himself at one point. And it's, it's a little apropos that at the end of the match that Part of Imperium gets hit with the shillelagh, finished out with a brogue kick, and that's how it ends. But, to me, I think the match was a little too long. It was about 18 minutes, yeah. I think it was too long. For a brawl, like, you see, there was a they had an actual uh, brawl match on NXT, I think it was two weeks ago. And that match was quicker than the one on the pay-per-view, with the same result. So, okay. again, I think I think that draw, that match was drawn out just a little too much. I gotta be honest, Ricky.
0: I don't like the way I don't like the, the way they named the match. I mean, you know what? I would have just called it a European brawl fight because you know you, you got Sheamus who's Irish, Ridge and Butch are Englishmen, the Imperium you got you got Gunter who's Austrian, Ludwig Kaiser who's German, and Giovanni Vinci who's Italian. I would have just called it a European brawl. Like, don't even put the word match just in a European brawl.
1: Well, I again, Uh, that's just uh, just merely my imagination. So, a Donnie Brook actually fits all of those countries. So, maybe it was just really good that they left it as Donnie Brook.
0: Yeah, just Donnie Brook. That's it. But so, carrying Cross and Drew McIntyre. I mean, we all knew, I mean, of course, so they brought in Cross and all that popularity. I mean, of course, we kind of knew that there was no way he was going to lose to McIntyre, but. Mark and I did express our concern that, you know, this loss just
1: doesn't do well for Drew McIntyre. There's no point in having Karrion Cross lose if you're just bringing him back. Exactly. McIntyre, in a way, can take a vacation now. Like, pretty much walk out of the picture. We all know that's not going to happen. But at the same rate, I think this match was was already dead to the start with Cross keep throwing the strap away, and then them brawling in the crowd, and then all of a sudden, now the match starts 10 minutes later, and obviously, we knew what the outcome... Uh, uh, to me, I knew what the outcome was going to be. Because Cross has to look strong in this match. Right. Did he win by... The way he was supposed to he he did the choke yes however i don't believe that uh really having the outside interference happen was was a big deal like i really think it should have been a legit just cross mcintyre deal there should have been no outside interference It's really a shame, but like you said, there was just no point for Cross to lose. Again, you have to make him look strong because you had already thrown him in in the beginning of where McIntyre is getting ready to go against Roman Reigns at Clash at the Castle. So you kind of derail McIntyre a little bit from that feud, and then unfortunately he lost to Roman Reigns at Clash at the Castle now you have to have Cross back in the picture again. Cross has to have at least a decent run because you already had thrown him in where McIntyre was already in a feud with Reigns. So again, I this is probably not one of the better matches on the card.
0: Yeah, definitely not.
1: But now we get to the
0: latter
2: match, Bianca and Bailey.
1: Hmm. I, I, oh. I will I, I will put this up as one of the higher regarded matches on the card. Uh, this is the first time Bianca Belair has ever been in a ladder match. Bailey won Money in the Bank. She's been in some ladder matches before. This was botch hell. As they were saying during the broadcast, the furniture doesn't always, you know. Always go with what the wrestler wants to do. There was a there was a few ladder botches, and it looked even weirder when Bailey goes to grab the first ladder, and then Bianca grabs the other one, and it's about three feet in difference. Like the, you, Bailey really should have known which ladder she was grabbing, and I thought that was part of the botch. The uh, the broken ladder, that was a freaking botch on the outside of the ring. Bailey's uh, brace coming apart during the match, that was a sure botch. Because she looks at it, she's like, oh, I could hit Bianca with this, and then just throws it away. (laughs) Like, come on, seriously. This is a perfectly good weapon you just brought into the ring. and, And you just flick it away. And you don't even flick it outside of the ring. You flicked it, and it stayed in the ring, and then you had to get rid of it again later. You're not wrong. And I will say this, though, okay, as much as I do like the fact that they, in the pre-show, uh, had that really big interview with Bianca, and she admitted, she admitted the the uh, bulimia thing from her earlier years, and then once she got into WWE, she could be her real self. That was kind of like that heart, heartwarming moment throughout the show. And then they kind of showed like a little clip of it when they did the pre-match uh preview. And then all of a sudden like it it kind of lost its shine a little bit. And she did botch the uh the KOD with both EO and uh I can't remember her name right now. It's so late. Um but with the rest of damage control, she kind of botched that a little bit. And then all of a sudden, miraculously, like, EO and the other one disappeared. Out of the blue. Boom. One KOD to both of them, and they disappeared.
2: Wow. I'm
1: sorry, go ahead. Honestly, though, if you have this whole damage control thing running, like, the whole program running, you have two-thirds of Damage control with a title. you actually put the belt on Bailey. Give the, give damage control a little bit of a run at this point, because that just makes Bailey look like a big loser where you have, you know, you have the rest of damage control with actual titles.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like almost like the bloodline, but uh, it, it, it did not, it did not happen.
1: That's where I think that they went kind of wrong with the match. Like, I Really, as much as you know, Bianca has been your champion. Uh, she actually had to really have a great match, even with the uh, Becky Lynch separated shoulder injury. You're right, Becky off. Maybe if Becky was actually up to the challenge, maybe that would have been uh, Bianca's backup at some point. But I still feel like they kind of dropped the ball, though. Not having freaking uh, Bailey win, and you have E.O Sky and Dakota Kai with the tag titles, like, that's a bad mark on damage control right now. It is. It's unfortunate, but, you know,
0: I'm just glad that you pointed out, I mean, that's the mistake they made right there, but speaking of mistakes, there's, you know, one coming up, you know, in the I Quit match, Finn Balor beating Edge in a match, man,
1: going 30 minutes. This match had had its points. It really did. It's not, it's probably the second, maybe third best match on this card. And throughout the the match, yes, guys did not want to quit. I mean, if that's the storyline that they wrote out, that they have that big finish at the end, yeah, okay. However, you didn't put one person on this card. And I don't even know if he was even in the building or not. All right, granted, yes, you have Ray as Edge's backup. That's fine, okay? You have Beth Phoenix as Edge's backup, fine. You've already had one person not at this pay-per-view that should have been part of the storyline, and that should have been AJ Styles. If you know that you have Finn Balor in there with Edge, you're only bringing out Rey Mysterio to fight his son and everybody else? That doesn't make any sense. No, it does not. It's Rey Mysterio versus Damian Priest and Dominic.
0: That's a black eye right there. I honestly had the feeling, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't even speak about this uh, with Mark, but... I truly had a feeling that AJ Styles was going to get involved, but AJ Styles was going to – like something, something was going to happen. I mean, I, I don't know what, what could have happened, but I just had a feeling AJ Styles was going to get involved and whatever would have happened that, that was on my mind. I, I, can't even, I can't even describe it because part of me saying what am I thinking, but I, I just felt like something was going to happen with Styles and the fans were going to be pissed off about it. I AJ... imagine you—you you would have been pissed off about it, no doubt.
1: Listen, the AJ Styles thing is a very critical part to this whole entire Judgment Day storyline. Okay, you've already had Finn Balor lay out AJ twice. A little bit of payback from AJ—I could have seen that, or really putting a bigger swerve into the old thing. Maybe AJ at this pay-per-view actually does something for Judgment Day. Instead of the finish, which was a huge botch, huge. That poor woman got smashed in the back of the head with the chair. And Rhea Ripley better definitely get some repercussions for that because they showed that concerto, and she did not do it correctly at all. Like I don't even know if that spot was even written into the to the match because she hit the chair. But the bottom half of the chair hit Beth Phoenix in the back of her head. And you saw her arms get into that whole, like, cryptic thing, like, concussion symptom thing. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, Beth Phoenix is dead. Like, not even joking. That chair shot was horrible.
2: Uh, I think a
0: in that particular situation, Ricky, a botch is just an understatement. Like you
1: know what basically this... the, way, the way the way you're saying it like this is just not this is not good at all no I't did bull- I, I again, I could see the threatening part okay, good. you made Edge say I quit like three times, okay but you don't pop Beth Phoenix over the head with a chair. I'm sorry like I've, I've like I, I tried watching the video over and over and over again. first of all if Beth, Le- Beth Phoenix is out. She got cracked in the face with Brass Knox, which they didn't really show until, like, afterwards, where they, they saw that she got popped in the back of the head with the Brass Knox. But when you go to, if you actually go back and watch, like, the replay, or you saw it live, rewind it and play it back in slow-mo. The chair legit hits Beth Phoenix in the head. Almost like Rhea was not trained how to do that correctly. That's where I kind of found it. Like that was the, that was the low part of the match. Making him quit that way, yes. Hurting Beth Phoenix in the in the process. You're just you just made the storyline even worse. And Edge will end up now disappearing again, because they couldn't do that finish properly. So
2: what
0: what what happens with Rhea? At this point, because 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 of uh, because of this
1: botch. First off, Rhea, I don't even know if she even got cleared for any action whatsoever, because she hasn't wrestled a match since she got hurt months ago. When she's just been pretty much the manager. Now right. all of a sudden, like I don't know if she's training. I don't know if she's gotten cleared, but. She, at this point right now, she probably really messed up. And there probably really should be some repercussions for it. But that chair shot was horrible. If Beth Phoenix doesn't have some type of concussion or brain damage at this point, like, she'd be lucky. But Rhea definitely botched that chair shot. It's a damn shame too. It's a damn shame. I, I hate to say it, but when you're not when you're not in action, right? If you're not having matches and you don't like like let's say they went over this spot like 30, 40 times, right? And now, now the lights are on. You're live on pay-per-view. You've got, I think they had almost like 20,000 people there tonight come on like seriously some of them like throughout some of the matches you could see like people were very tentative with doing movesets that happened throughout the entire pay-per-view but this is a very critical thing now if you seriously hurt this woman what are you going to look at she could sue your ass because that was not the spot that was planned the concerto yeah planned getting hit in the back of the skull with not only brass knocks but now a chair? I mean, you you seriously put that woman's life in danger.
0: Man, such a tough situation. I mean, I'm looking at her, uh, the reaction on Twitter, but no one's really mentioning anything that you just basically said. So now I'm looking at, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I just saw a replay.
1: Yeah, it was definitely, yeah, it was definitely brutal. And when her Man. arms bent backwards like that, Like, I've seen concertos before. Obviously, Edge has done tons of them. Uh, AJ did one to Edge a while back. Arms don't react like that when you get the chair just hit there. Like, she got cracked in the skull. That's bad. That's some bad
0: juju right there. Stuff, but we'll have to see what, what, what goes on moving forward. And now we get to the main event. Matt Riddle versus Seth freaking Rollins with Daniel Cormier as the special guest enforcer. And I said this on the show. I'm not going to use the term referee. In these kinds of matches, if it's a UFC guy, you go with the term enforcer in my honest opinion. And Riddle gets the win. And I think I saw – I did see this coming. I mean, Mark and I spoke of the promo that Rollins, I mean, Rollins took that heel level to a – well, he put that that heel uh, momentum to a higher level. Like you saw, you heard, you saw what he said about real about his children and the personal life. And of course, real recently recently revealed that his personal life is
1: just is bad right now. Man, this match had screw up written all over it, all over it. Really. Yes, I mean, remember, folks. I I did not watch this. You
0: know, you know, I, I did not. It's unfortunate that you know other things. It, other things with podcasts where it gets involved, and you know, I, I was actually helping my mom, and I was think helping my dad around the house. So sometimes you got to put other things aside. But th- that that's why Ricky. Thank you so much again for doing this uh, show tonight with me. But. But I'm actually I'm actually amazed that, that, that you're actually how you're describing this match because Twitter, I didn't see anything
1: about this on Twitter about it being a screw up. Okay, so here's where the match already goes, off the off the rails before it even starts. All right? Okay. In fight pit matches, which they've only had two. Okay? They've only had two ever fight pit matches, and they were both. In NXT. Okay. They were in NXT. This is the first time Fight Pit is making a major pay-per-view. Second off, Daniel Cormier has no business being in this match. Zero. He has no referee experience whatsoever. No special enforcer experience whatsoever. Okay. In the beginning of the match, twice, he throws his weight around. Alright? You don't touch me. When I say something, something goes. Okay? That's a BS move right there. <laughs> For what, whatever reasons, Ken Shamrock should have been in this match. There were tons of rumors about, as soon as the Fight Pit match came, Ken Shamrock Should have been in there. That would have made a lot of sense, honestly. Good point right there. Ken Shamrock has actual referee experience because he was in a match. I believe it was Stone Cold versus Bret Hart where Shamrock was the referee. Yeah, I think think it was that I quit match or something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And And you know what? Yes, Cormier has been in the cage. He knows how to handle the cage, everything else. But at the same right, there were points where he's sitting there having a conversation with Riddle at one point, and he's not doing the 10 count. There was another situation earlier in the match where Rollins should have been counted, and he's sitting there having like a 38-second conversation about where they're going out to dinner after the pay-per-view is over. Give me a break. Do <laughs> your job. <laughs> oh, my God. Rollins came out to try to replicate RVD and did a terrible job of it. He, <laughs> he legit climbs up on the cage to the rim of where the platform is and tries to perform a five-star frog splash. In which he didn't even come close. It was just a regular splash with his arms and his legs spread out. Okay. You know what? You're doing it without ropes. It's all fine and great. Riddle has been in this match before. So he knows how to handle it. Okay, I'm good with this. Here's where the problems come. All right? Apparently, maybe Seth Rollins was playing stupid. Or didn't realize that the result had to actually be on the mat of the ring. Four times during this match. Four. He's up on the top with Riddle. And Cormier's like, no, the match can't end up there. It's got to end in the bottom of the cage. And Rollins is sitting there arguing with him.
2: Come on. You're only prolonging the match by like six minutes.
1: And top it all off, in other fire uh, fight pit matches, I'll put that in quotation marks, the referee was able to climb to the top where the platform was. Tell me why overweight Daniel Cormier couldn't climb up the cage to get on the platform. All the other referees did. Why couldn't he?
2: Hmm. That's I, That was,
1: I mean, again, the fight pit concept, great. Both guys knowing the rules, eh. Daniel Cormier, stiff as an official, because he's never officiated a match in his life. So this had a lot of bumps and bruises in it. For a main event. And I think the finish was good. Because Riddle won. However again. I think this is a match that. Was billed as more of an actual. Non wrestling match. And the majority of it. Was an actual wrestling match. It was just a wrestling match. With no ropes. In a cage that had a second tier. That's the way I look at it. Can take me through the ending. How did the ending exactly go?
0: It was a choke. Okay. Riddle like, actually, a Uf, like a UFC-style
1: submission choke. Yeah, it was a, it was a uh, triangle choke, and the choke didn't last like 30, 40 seconds. And I think somebody had actually said in Cormier's ear, hey, yo, this match has got to end because now we're running over, and then we have... The, the next event happening. And I think there was a little bit of whispering into Rollins's ear. Uh, and that was how it ended. It was like a really big mini tap on uh, Riddle's leg, I believe it was. And the match was over. Okay. So, the Broton, though. Both times, I, sometimes that will happen. I will say this, though. One of the final maneuvers before the match ends is a very sick Broton off the platform, on top of Rollins. And I said this to my dad while we were sitting here watching it. I was like, Riddle just jacked himself up. Because he really didn't, he landed on Rollins, but his tailbone smashed into the into the mat. Like, he jacked his entire back up. And it's, it's like getting, like, the immediate thing of, like, sciatica. Like, your hip is gone. Like, you can't walk. Your leg is numb. I mean, it was a great idea to do the Broton, but he probably could have landed it better. He was a little iffy on how he was supposed to land the move. And they, they, they pretty much just sped up to the end of the match after that. But again, I, the, the Cormier thing, I'm not down with that. Not down with the Cormier thing at all. Well said. So just wait. Well, okay. This
0: has been teased for so long, but the ending of the show, honestly, everybody would say that was pretty much the best moment of this show. Wouldn't you say?
1: I love the fact that it happened. How it happened was not a fan. Because it, it, it was just the, and this highlight is all over everywhere already. It is, uh, people have uploaded it to YouTube, it's on Twitter, it's on Bleacher Report, it's on every wrestling website so far, the return of Bray Wyatt. All of the teases, including the ones earlier today that said 10 2022 the little 8-bit rabbit running through the forest, finding the big purple X, digging the hole, the 8-bit explosion coming out of the ground where the, the, the rabbit jumped into the hole. We all knew it was going to happen. Everybody, the, 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 the date was circled on the calendar, 10-28-2022. However, for them to have it happen where Riddle just goes fade to black in the arena, you don't see Rollins anymore. Like, Rollins is gone. Like, he disappears into thin air. No questions asked. And as soon as the lights went out, everybody had their cell phones on already. It was like, okay, this is what we're going to do at the end of the match. Like, they put it up on, like, a big screen above the the ring or whatever to say, oh, you know what? The lights are going to go out. Everybody turn on your phones and be Fireflies again. Like, it was just, like, it was just way too immediate of a reaction for it to happen. Hmm. And... I like the fact that it's the original Bray Wyatt voice singing. (laughs) He has the whole world in his hands. But to me, I thought that was kind of a little drawn out as well. Uh, To see the real life Firefly Funhouse characters in the arena was great. My only issue was is they showed up in the same spots every time they changed. That was a really, really bad setup on that, because you saw the buzzard, and then ten seconds later, here's Sister Abigail. here's here's the pig. Ten seconds later, you see the rabbit. You see the fake Bray Wyatt at ringside, the fiend mask at ringside. Okay, that's great. Um the stage setup. Wasn't a fan of that. Like, I really think if you're going to have everything fade to black and do it that way, make sure the entire arena is black. Because there are fan videos that you see before uh, Mr. Wyatt comes out and he's got the the big lantern and everything else. Like, people already see him. Like, that was kind of bad. I mean, you didn't see it that way on TV but there are fan videos showing him already standing out on stage. Right.
0: I mean, when they show the clip of, you know, his former Fireflies, uh, F- Fireflies, excuse me, like, puppet showroom, like, you know, being in complete disarray, ruin, you, you see, like, the old puppets all, like, covered in dust and destroyed. It's almost as, it's basically to indicate they're restarting everything. Like, hopefully, like basically, this is what we've got to spend a little bit of time talking about, like. I kind of believe like Triple H is going to try to restart the Bray Wyatt whole run, but try to make it right because the whole booking with Bray Wyatt from The Fiend, I mean, it was horrible, okay? And I'll not forget because I was at WrestleMania thir- 37 with my previous uh, co-host for my uh, former wrestling show, which would be Mr. Chris Rex, and I had said numerous times that match with Randy Orton with The Fiend Horrible, because it made no sense to me whatsoever. He's dominating the match. He gets distracted. One RKO, and it's over. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, what, what, you thought that match was horrible, too.
1: Just to just to clarify a little bit of stuff that is going on. Again, the rumor mills have been running crazy. Uh, I, I thought the buildup with the White Rabbit was really good, uh, whether it was through the pre-show, the regular show in the beginning. Uh, A lot of things, the little things that led up to him coming out tonight. There is a very, very large rumor going around. And I'm on this rumor right now because it does make a lot of sense for what Bray Wyatt did on Friday afternoon with him changing his Twitter handle, his Instagram handle, And it's not Wyndham Rotunda or whatever the name was before. It's the Wyatt Six. Which means it is not just Bray Wyatt. There is already some type of stable forming. And there have been names included already. Uh, The rebuilt, rebranded Braun Strowman going back with Bray Wyatt. Alexa Bliss who legit 30 seconds ago as I just got the notification welcome to Bray Wyatt back to WWE so you have two of the members that were originally with Bray Wyatt in the Wyatt family and there are rumors circulating right now of three additions to the Wyatt family all brand new technical to the main roster which would be Carrie uh, and Cross, uh, and her name I keep I keep forgetting her name. Um, there's also, uh, I mean, the one that's the one that's going after the Miz right now. I keep forgetting his name too, cause uh, like I'm just like, again, it's late. De- Dexter recording. Loomis, I believe. Dexter Loomis. I uh, the three of them added to the Wyatt family, or. Which would be really, really crazy, cruel, and unusual the actual members of the Firefly Funhouse making up the new Wyatt family. Those so are the current
0: my assumption is correct. It seems like plans to restart and rebuild to make it to make it right this time. I guess basically you, you kinda of confirm me that my thoughts just
1: are basically semi true. I, I think it's more of the fact being is, is that, uh, you know, Mr. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, obviously set in his old 1983 ways, has to be in control of all creative. And I believe with Bray Wyatt re signing with WWE, gives him the ability to work with Triple H to get his creative ideas out there. Because if you look at all of the telltale signs, Coming up with the White Rabbit deal, all of the stuff that was mentioned for all of the little QR codes and stuff was all stuff Bray Wyatt has done under the Vincent Kennedy McMahon thing. Those are all his ideas. The pig, the wolf, uh, the thing that he had, the the little tag that he had in his hat with numbers, uh, the Simpsons episode, the whole, the, the, the list goes on and on and on. That is all Bray Wyatt's creative stuff. And that's what made his return at Extreme Rules probably the most unique return you're gonna see for a long time. Absolutely. It, it, uh, I mean, sometimes, you know, everybody's asked me like
0: like my thoughts on, on the booking. I'm like, well, I mean, my my opinion's gonna be maybe the same as others. I said, it doesn't really matter how I think certain things went. I just know that, obviously, the booking was not was not done right. Some believe that Bray Wyatt's booking was fine, which, again, is their opinion. I mean, I could argue it, but, you know, it, it's an opinion. But what I'm really, really hoping for is that, hopefully, this time, the run goes correctly. And I believe it will because, again, Vincent Kenny McMahon is no longer in charge. I think that's one of the reasons why Bray Wyatt, you know, re-signed. Now, as we know, Bray Wyatt—he's been out of action since he was released in July of last year. So he's been out for—you uh, know—he's been uh, out of wrestling, as far as I know, for over a year. So, so you know, he took some time off, you know, to recharge his batteries, you know, get his mind back together. So,
1: you know, so
0: I, hopefully, I, I, I just—I have high you. hopes. I think that's what I'm trying
1: to say is that I have high hopes, and I'm and I'm excited. I'll be honest with you. I've been following Bray Wyatt on YouTube. And really? I don't think it was a recharge of the battery. I think it was more of the fact being is and, and there is a actual channel where he has all of these different like little promo teaser type deals going on where he's doing all of these like comeback things. i I think that, that the comeback that everybody is seeing now with all of the white rabbit stuff within like the last month or so, there was already pre. There was pre-talk there already. Okay, so this has been building then. I think this has been time. building for a lot longer than what everybody thinks it is. And it, had reason- to, it had to have been since the beginning of this year, to be honest. Well, I don't know about that. To be honest, okay. to, to, to be honest, with you, maybe not Probably like the beginning they, they of the summer, somewhere okay. around there, because okay. a lot of the teasers that he has on his channel were like, like I'm ready. Like, I am just waiting for that ultimate moment where I can put the rest of my plan in play and run with it and have fun with it and be creative with it. Those videos that you see on YouTube are just completely horrific, insane style teasers and little promos. So basically,
0: basically, as you said, like he's ready to go. He's just waiting for the right place, the right time. And he's kind of building up the excitement, basically. In other words, he's conducting good business.
1: I think, in a way, I think he had the really twisted thing of just waiting for McMahon's demise. Like, he probably... (laughs) it's, It's kind of ironic, though, because a lot of the little teasers happened when Vince McMahon, 77 years old, retired. And then it was like, okay, Triple H is now here, we could start talking. Like it was, it was almost there was almost like that sign that we were gonna get what we were truly missing. And I'm not saying that everything that that was done with Bray Wyatt was on top. There was a lot of there were a lot of little down things when he had the uh, the evil Vincent Kennedy Kennedy McMahon uh, puppet on there, the Paul Heyman walrus puppet on there. That wasn't McMahon. Let me tell you, that was Bray Wyatt. <laughs> that was Bray Wyatt's idea. Oh, I mean, it, those, it, those it's obvious. It's plainly obvious. It was Bray Wyatt. But again, like it was almost like Bray Wyatt was just was just waiting out the time. Even with him getting offers from AEW and Tony Khan, oh, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, wanted to start his own wrestling company. He got offers from him when you get the notoriety that you have and you get the merch sales that you get WWE is the spot. Right. I think again, Bray Wyatt was just waiting his time out for the right moment for the shoe to drop. And he popped right back in.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. The last thing I want to ask is like, so basically the fiend persona is like, could we see it again? Like, can we see like Bray Wyatt switch back and forth between the Bray Wyatt like persona and the fiend persona kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing?
1: I think time tells, I think time tells. And I think it's, we, we, we got to see the brink of what Bray Wyatt's creativity was tonight. There was a, that, that whole 20 minute spot for them to bring him back in. That took a lot of work to do. Okay, that was a lot of serious planning, especially having the uh, Funhouse characters in the crowd. Uh the, the the pictures with the bunny outside of the arena before the show started. I thought it was pretty creepy that the. Uh... Oh my god, the Flyers uh, mascot was running around all night. Like I could have yeah, well, thought why right hey. it was in that costume. <laughs> you know like like anything was possible but i think with the wyatt 6 thing i think that's where you may not see Bray Wyatt as just straight up Bray Wyatt you may see a fiend you may see a new character cuz when he unmasked tonight that wasn't the normal fiend mask either oh that no was a it was totally, totally different, different personality totally different personality yeah so i think at this point right now until we start seeing like pieces of the Wyatt family coming together, you know, a little bit more teases here or there. That's where we'll see whether there's going to be a new character that he's working on. Brings back the fiend. He could bring back the chart up the chart up character like he's I think the sky's the limit when it comes to this.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so you said time will tell, so they got to build it. And, you know, honestly, when he, when I saw that he came at the end, I, I thought he was going to come after Rollins or after somebody else. But well, so, so I is... guess right now, he, is he a heel or as a
1: face? I, I think right now that you have to leave him as a face because of the pop that he got. There is unfinished business probably with Rollins, and it's sad to say that Rollins has a title shot Monday night on Raw. And he lost in the fight pit. Maybe at some point that may get connected where Fiend or Bray Wyatt has some unfinished business with Rollins. Would be nice. Great way to bring him back in. Have Rollins lose again to Lashley. Somehow Bray Wyatt sticks his nose in and botches the whole United States title match. Like, I mean, that would be a great segue in. Just don't bring him in regular. I think that's kind of uh I think that's probably what everybody would expect.
0: Basically surprise surprise the hell out
1: of us. That's what I'd want. I'd want him to actually jump into a storyline early. Yeah. Basically. I mean that 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 would be the way to do it, but we'll see.
0: We'll see. So I think we've basically covered all the bases. Anything else you want to say, my friend?
1: I think overall, as many people want to make this as an A pay-per-view, I'm going to be a little bit more critical of it. I wouldn't give it five out of five. I'd give it probably like three and a half, four out of five. Again, I think a lot of the spots throughout the card were a little soft or botched for a pay-per-view that is extreme rules. I think uh, one of the other parts, when you think of extreme rules, especially in Philly, you know the home of ECW, uh, there was one thing that I think that this was kind of really missing. And Mm. it's on pay-per-view, so there should be no reason why there wasn't any uh, red stuff flowing. Not a scratch on any of them. Bailey gets hit in the mouth. She's not bleeding. Come on. Give me a little bit. If you're supposedly breaking out of this PG era, give me a little bit of the red stuff. Right? (laughs) I think that for an extreme rules pay-per-view, I'm missing that. As a purist of extreme rules, I'm missing the blood. At least one, give me one bust out where somebody's got like a bloody lip or bloody mouth or with all the shots that people took to the ribs and shit. You don't get like a little bit of something, you know, like I think that's I think that's what it really misses to be an extreme rules purist. Absolutely.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, that will be it for today. Just so everybody knows, Ringside Chaos is available on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and YouTube. Ricky, thank you so much for coming on and doing the show with me. Thank you, again, especially for doing it on such short notice. I truly appreciate it, man.
1: Not a problem.
0: All right, everybody, thank you again. Y'all have a good night, and I'll see y'all next time.